in Rick Warren's book, and I don't recommend that book to you, but in his book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, and I, I imagine some of you have read that book, but he made a statement in that that I thought was a pretty profound statement. He says, you are not an accident. Your birth was no mistake or mishap, and your life is no fluke of nature. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. He was not at all surprised by your birth. In fact, he expected it. That is an amazing statement when you think about it, because particularly with everything that goes on in our society today about uh, abortion rights and, and, uh, and, and the sanctity of life and all of that, and what about this case and what about that case, there is nothing, no birth, no conception that is outside of the sovereignty of God. He's not taken off guard by any of that. Now, can we explain some of the things that happen? No, we can't. But we can, there's a lot of things that we can't explain about God. But that's a tremendous statement, and that's a statement that we really need to, to, to take to heart, not only in the area of, um, of, of birth, but in the area of God's sovereignty over everything that happens in the life. And so in, in, our, in our scripture reading tonight, Jeremiah learns that, learns that fact firsthand. When he hears God saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. Now tonight we are concluding our seven-part series of messages entitled, More Than Conquerors, through Jesus Christ. And next Wednesday night, just to give you a little little peek about what we're going to do next Wednesday night, we'll begin a new series of messages in the book of um, Philippians, Joy Comes in the Morning. And and through this this, uh, Philippian sermon series, we can't help but fall in love with this letter, Philippians, which Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, especially especially when you think about the church, since they, they've come such a long ways from their humble beginning by the time Paul writes this letter. And it's easy to see why, why Paul loved this church so dearly as he writes to them to thank God for them and to thank them for their, their kind but ever generous gift while he was in prison. He sold out on Jesus, and he wants them to be sold out on Jesus also. He is filled with joy, and he wants them to be filled with joy as well. And even though Jesus Christ is the, is the main theme of this particular letter, we will find that joy is, is another theme running alongside of the theme of Jesus. But the sad part, When you read that letter and you study that letter, the sad part is that he never once says that the people at Philippi entered into the joy that he had. You never see that. It's all about joy. And and they were a great church. But he never once says that. And so, do you have the joy of Jesus in your life? Do you really have that joy? 
And so this sermon series will, will certainly help you on your way to finding real joy, which can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you to be with us uh, starting next Wednesday night for this exciting new series. Um, and I, I just think it's going to be a great, a great series on the book of Philippians. So tonight, as I said, we finish what we started a few months ago. And we began, if you remember, looking at passages of Scripture that help us to conquer our emotions. We, we looked at how to conquer worry and anger and fear and stress and depression and unforgiveness. And so the Bible teaches us, we said all along, how to deal with how we feel in our life. That's what it's all about. So tonight we find our, our study in, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 5 down through verse 10. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set over you the nations and over the kingdom to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So tonight we are going to talk about one of those emotions that is frequently hidden in some of the most successful people in our, in our society. In, in the CEOs of major companies, many of them suffer from it. World leaders and United States presidents have suffered from it. Some of the most skilled people in some of the most visible professions may suffer from it. Great athletes, doctors, lawyers, actors, musicians, even ministers. Young men and young women suffer from it. Because it is an emotion Probably every single person at one time or another has had a little bit of a struggle with this at one time or another in their life. And, and when we face the emotion, again, we have to deal with how we feel. So I'm talking about what to do when you feel insecure. Insecurity can take many forms. Insecurity it, it encompasses other feelings such as inadequacy and inferiority. Insecurity is, is that improper feeling that tells us things like we don't measure up. Or things like you're just not good enough. Or things like there's something wrong with us. And sometimes we feel insecure because of our past, because of something that we've done in our past or because of something that somebody's done to us. Someone said something years ago and it hurt us. It may have, been, it may have come from a parent. It may have come from an employee, an employer, a good friend, 
you hear that statement and, 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 and when put in a certain situation, you hear those words again. And you start to feel insecure, even though it was something that happened many, many years ago. It takes you right back to that feeling. So next time you start feeling insecure, remember this passage here. Go to Jeremiah chapter 1 and read these verses. And so I want you to see with me that there are some things here we should remember when we face insecurities in our life. You see, Jeremiah was a... Jeremiah was a man who battled insecurity. And when God calls this man into ministry, he speaks to him some words that he will go back to, I believe, again and again and again in his life. And they're found there again in verse 5 when he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was called to a tough ministry. It was a difficult ministry. He preached during a time in Israel's history when the people were wayward, they were backslidden, and they were unrepentant. And and, in fact, listen to this. Jeremiah preached for 40 years, and not one person repented. 40 years. He preached and not one person repented. How would you like to be a preacher, a pastor for 40 years of ministry and not have one single convert? How would you like to be a missionary for 40 years and not have one single convert and had to write letters to your supporting churches and explain to them why nobody's getting saved? So you see, you talk about You talk about feeling a little bit insecure. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He had a tender heart. But not only that, but he had mood swings, just like you and I have mood swings in our life. And so there would come a time in in chapter 20 where Jeremiah even curses the day that he was born. He, He actually said, I wished I had never been born. He was a human being. He was like you and I. And someone said that, that the great prophets of the Old Testament are not to, be, not to be viewed as models of morality, but mirrors of identity. You see, we look, we look at them and we say then, well, I can relate to that. And I can understand that. And hey, this guy's just like me. When sometimes we put them up on the pedestal and we think, well, they were, they were special people. That's why God used them. God doesn't use me because I'm not special like the prophets of old. But when you look, like them, look at them, they look just like us. And so what, what that does is it keeps us from trying to be like somebody else and causes us to look up to God. God is the hero of every Bible story. Not the, not the prophets. And there's some pretty amazing prophets. But we've already seen in our study uh, many of them that struggled with, with problems in their life. And so when Jeremiah started to feel insecure, he could always go back to verse number five. So God taught him some things to remember 
And, and I believe that is what kept him going for those 40 years. I really do believe with all of my heart that the same is true for you and me tonight. And so when you and I start feeling secure, we can always go back to verse 5 of Jeremiah chapter 1. And so I want to talk to you tonight about what to remember when you feel secure. So number one, you are a special product of God. You are a special product of God. In, in the first part of, of verse 5 there, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now the key word in this first part of verse 5 is the word formed. Before I formed you. God said, Jeremiah, I formed you in your mother's womb. I'm the one who did that. It didn't just happen, but I was involved in forming you in your mother's womb. And I believe with all my heart that every person that is ever born, they were conceived in procreation, meaning that God is the one who orchestrated the whole thing for every one that has been conceived. And so the word form there speaks of, of the producing of a thing. It, it is used to, for example, of a, of a potter. We've talked about this several different times of a potter producing a, a pot out of clay. Or also a sculptor who, who will produce a statue. And so God said, I formed you, Jeremiah. You are my special project. And God says that to every single one of us. We are his special product. Sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm useless. I'm not worth anything. There, I, I would be better off if I wasn't even here. The world would be better off if I wasn't here. But God says, no, 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 no. I formed you. You are my special product. And I want to tell you that God speaks to you and me in the same way did Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a human being, and God creates all of his human beings exactly the same way. So, so what is true is Jeremiah is true of you and me. God says, I formed you too. I am the master producer, and you are my special product. Now, the most important thing to remember is that God made us in his image. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, the Bible said God created human beings in his image. And so whatever else that means, it means that God has created us in his likeness. And God's pretty special. And he created us in his image. And there is, there is no other creature that God created that he said, I created you in my image. It's just us, human beings. And so that's why our lives are sacred to God. We are a special product of God. That's why he loves us so much. Now what that means is that God is the creator and he knew what he was doing when he made us in our mother's womb. God made us just like he wanted us. The truth is, when, when God made every one of us, um, he broke the mold. 
You know, sometimes you hear people say, well, well, when God made you, he must have broken the mold. He did every time. It's amazing that there can be so many people and yet not two are exactly alike. You are a special product of God. God made you just like he wanted you to be. And yet too, too often we have feelings of inadequacy and insecurity that leads us to tamper with the product that God has created. Hollywood has become something of the the capital city of plastic surgery as people flock there to alter the special product that God has made them. Why would we want to mess with what God has done? And so some people feel that they're too tall. I don't know what you do about that. I mean, you know, there's, I can't think of any surgery unless you have your legs amputated at the knees that would make you shorter. And I don't know anybody that would want to do that. Or some, some people feel they're too short or they have too much hair. <laughs> Is that what you feel like, Dave? Too, too much hair up there. Tom? <laughs> I'm sorry. Some feel like we don't have enough hair. Whatever it is, I mean, the thing is, why do, we, why do we stress over those things? We're made just like God wanted us. We're a special product of God. Now, while Paul was writing about Israel's rejection of the gospel, Paul made a statement that applies to the, to, to the, the questioning of our creator. In Romans chapter 9 and verse 20, he says, Who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? It seems a little absurd to say that, doesn't it? To talk to God, the creator? Who are we to call into question God's creative genius? God formed you. God made you just like he wanted you. You are a special product of God. And and, and see, we, we need to know who we are and what we have if we are going to conquer insecurity. I think a lot of people are like this, uh, this young guy that I heard about once. He went to a store and he met the clerk in the store and he said, I want a, I want a blue shirt. I want yellow lettering on it. I want blue shorts. And I want blue and yellow basketball shoes. The clerk asked him, he said, are you a University of Michigan fan? And the young boy stuck out his chest and proudly said, I sure am. What gave me away, the color scheme? The clerk said, no, this is a hardware store. We need to know who we are and what we have if we are going to conquer our insecurities. So God says, you are my special product. 
I formed you, I made you just like I wanted you, and I made you in my image. So when you start to feel insecure, remember that you are a special product of God. And when you start to feel insecure, remember you are the special pleasure of God. You are the special pleasure of God. There in in verse 5, before you were born, I sanctified you. I knew you, he says there, um, uh, when you were in the womb. Um, And the key key word here is the word knew. God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God's not talking about mere intellectual knowledge here. He's talking about a special, intimate, personal, and loving knowledge. That's mind-boggling when you think about it. Because we, we don't know what a person is until they're born. And we begin to see all of the characteristics of the person. And as they grow, we begin to see their, their personality and all of that. Before we were even conceived in our mother's womb, God knew all of those things about us already. He already had a personal, intimate relationship with us. It's the same word that is used to describe Adam's intimacy with Eve in the garden. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. The word know here refers to a special, intimate, loving knowledge that God has with respect to his children. So his children give him pleasure because he loves them in a very special way that that we can't even begin to comprehend. You are a special pleasure to God, of God. And so when he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. That is, God knows all about you, and he loves you anyways. It doesn't matter what's going to happen in your life. He already knows, and he still loves you. And so that should be encouraging to us. I mean, before you were even born, God knew all about you, and he loved you anyway. We, we sing this in, in, in the song, Victory in Jesus. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. God loved me and knew me before I ever loved and knew him. In fact, while we were yet sinners, he loved us so much that his son died for us. Think of how God knew you long before you were born and lovingly brought you into existence according to his plan. You see, he knew knew who your parents would be. He knew who your grandparents would be. He he knew who your great-grandparents would be. (laughs) And you can just keep on going back and back so far that it begins to really boggle our mind that God orchestrated all of that in the past of all of our great-great-great-grandparents and then all the way through to brings us to the point where we are here today. You are a special pleasure to God. The fact that God loves Jeremiah, that he knew him before he was even born, will be especially meaningful to Jeremiah when he starts feeling insecure. And so God knew what caused Jeremiah to feel insecure. Look down there at verses 6 and 7. He's, 
He says here in uh, verse 6, Then I said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. So Jeremiah said, I am I'm too young. Interestingly, most scholars think Jeremiah was in his early 30s when he was called into ministry. Now back then, that, that would have been viewed as a, as a lot older person than what we think of a 30-year-old today. In fact, I think when I was 20, I was older than most 30 years old people. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? There's just not maturity. But Jeremiah feels inexperienced, inadequate. And so he said, I, I'm just a young person. What, what do I know? And maybe he heard someone else at some time in his life tell him that. Maybe that's what was pl playing on the tape player in his mind. You're too young, Jeremiah. What do you know? I had to deal with that as a young pastor. Imagine as a as a as a twenty-some-year-old person preaching to somebody that's in their seventies, who has experienced all of life, and hear him as a young preacher telling him things that he didn't like hearing, or parents that have raised teenagers. And I talk to them about how to be a good parent. You can't imagine some of the things that I've heard. And it's hard to get those things out of your mind. And so I imagine Jeremiah probably heard some of that. And God says, do not say I am a youth. Jeremiah, don't, don't feel insecure here. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew all about you. I love you, Jeremiah. Find your security in me. Don't look at what people are saying about you. Don't look at the, the ones who are whispering behind your back. Look to me. I am your security. And so we see something else that, that causes Jeremiah to feel insecure. In verse 8, it says, Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Sometimes when you look out at people when you're speaking to them, <laughs> you want to close your eyes because of the faces that they are making at you. <laughs> I understand it totally what Jeremiah was feeling here. And so God knew there would come a time when Jeremiah would look out at the crowd of people to whom he was called to preach, and he would feel a little insecure. I mean, when you stand in front of a group of people that, that, that half of them hate you, Jeremiah had all of them hating him. It's hard. To preach and to look at them and just soon stay at home than to go and stand in front of that angry crowd. And so he felt insecure. And so people can be tough. People can be mean. Some, some of them just look mean when you look at them. People can look mean and, and act mean and say mean things. And God says to his man, don't be afraid of them. For I am with you and I will deliver you. Find your security in me. I'm with you. 
And sometimes you feel like Jeremiah, a bit, a bit insecure, and you say, well, I'm too young. Or maybe you say, I- I'm too old. Or maybe you say, I'm not good enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not strong enough, my body isn't good enough, and so on and so on. We we come up with all kinds of excuses. I, I, I heard about a preacher once whose wife was kind of taken by one of these Hollywood hunks, you know, you see on television, and, and she was really taken by him. And this one day, he, he noticed her really watching this guy on the television, and and. Uh, and he said to her, he said, you take away his money and his good looks and his muscular body, and what do you have? <laughs> she smiled and looked at him and said, I'd have you. <laughs> but God says to his children, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. You are my special product. And my special pleasure, I made you just the way that I wanted you to be. And I love you just the way you are. So don't get so hung up on everything in your life and want to change everything about you. I love you the way that I made you. And I'm with you. And I'll take care of you. Someone said that if they ever really make a, a, a mess of something, they can always say, well... At least my my mother still loves me. (laughs) Well, there may even be times we're not even sure whether our mother loves us still. (laughs) But for the child of God, for the Christian, we can always say, no matter what happens, I know God still loves me. I know he loves me. So when you start to feel insecure, remember you are a special product of God. You are a special pleasure of God. And then when you start to feel insecurity, remember the last thing, that you are a special purpose for God. You have a special purpose for God. There there are two key words uh, here. One is sanctified and one is ordained. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Both of these words refer to the Christian special purpose in life. It is to be set apart and anointed. That's every Christian. Every one of us, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we are set apart and we are anointed by God for a special ministry. And it's it's always something different. God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That is, Jeremiah, I have a a special purpose for you. I mean, just for you. It's not a special purpose that everybody will fall into that thing. No, I, I have picked you out for a special purpose. And he says that to every single one of us because he formed us in the womb. And there is a special purpose for every one of us. And God did have a special purpose for Jeremiah. God called Jeremiah into a ministry of preaching to wayward, backslidden people. And there were two things that he was to remember as he went about doing what God had called him to do. Jeremiah was to remember God's presence and God's power. Look again at verse 8 there. He says, Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says 
the Lord. And so do not be afraid, Jeremiah, because I am with you. When you start to feel insecure, you remember that I am with you. Remember my presence. And then God says, remember my power. And in verse 9, he says, Then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. God says, Jeremiah, you feel that you are too young, and, and you don't know what to say. Don't, don't go about this in your own strength. I never told you to do this in your own strength. I am going to enable you with my power. I am going to put my words in your mouth. See, when God gives you a special purpose, he always equips you to fulfill that purpose. And if you feel inadequate, it's because you're trying to do it in your own strength. You haven't yielded it over to God yet. You haven't said, God, okay, you called me to this. You said that you would be with me. You said that you would equip me. And so I'm relying upon you to do just that. And God will do the same thing for every single one of his children. God has created every one of us for a special purpose. And ultimately, our purpose is to bring glory to him. That's, that's our ultimate purpose in life is to glorify God. And we glorify God most when we enjoy him to the fullest. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 that God has created all things. And it is by his will they exist and were created. So whether you are teaching a, a class or witnessing or are giving a speech at work or, or at a, a presentation at a school, God wants to, to glorify himself through us. So whatever job that God calls you to do, whether he leads you, wherever he leads you, you and I are to live for his glory. We're not living to try to please other people. Oh, we do that, don't we? We try our best to please people. But that's not our purpose in life. We are to live a life that is pleasing to God. You see, one of the, one of the reasons so many people feel insecure is because they live their lives trying to please people, and you'll never please people. Never. It won't happen. And so you just need to please God. And that's the lesson that I had to learn a long time ago as a pastor. Otherwise, it beat me up. I can't please people. I've got to please God. So don't live your life trying to please others. All that matters is whether God is pleased, period. That's it. The classic movie from the early 60s was a movie called To Kill a Mockingbird. Maybe you've seen that or read the book, but it tells a story that takes place in a small Alabama town during the 1930s, a time of racial segregation. And in the movie, Gregory Peck starred as the attorney, Articus Finch, and he is, he is an impeccable, morally upright attorney who becomes controversial when he chooses to defend an innocent black man. Because of his decision, Articus is criticized and condemned by many people. It is clear that no matter how well 
the black man is that that black man is defended he is going to be found guilty of the crime and he is found guilty the final courtroom scene is one of those scenes that that has become legendary after the guilty verdict is read and, and, and the prosecuting attorneys, they're celebrating and the winners are shaking hands and congratulating each other for condemning this innocent man, we see Articus meticulously collecting his paper and closing up his briefcase. And he gets, gets up and he walks all alone to the back of the courtroom. And as he walks out, the camera allows you to see the black people who are viewing the whole trial from above in the balcony because they were made to sit there. They weren't allowed to sit down where all the white people were. And as Articus walks slowly out of the courtroom, the black people stand up in silence to honor him as he passes by. And what makes that scene all the more gripping is that Articus, as he walks out, doesn't even know that they are there, looking down in approval upon him. He just walks out, and here they are looking at him. And you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your critics think. When others make fun of you, or when they question your integrity, or when you start feeling inadequate and insecure, you feel you don't measure up to the world's idea of success, <coughs> remember that more important than what anyone else in this world will ever think about you, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what does God think about you? What does God think about you? Amen. You are a special product of God. You are a special pleasure of God. And you have a special purpose for God. And when you live your life for God's glory, remember that God is looking down in approval upon your life. Let's pray.